Good morning, Cheltenham. It's great to be with you as we continue our sermon series entitled God's New Community. This morning, we're going to be finishing looking at the temple of God. So I hope that you got to hear Jim Lovelady preach two weeks ago and hear Pastor Bill preach last week on not only what it means for believers to be the temple of God, but also how we're made holy, how we're qualified to be the temple of God. But if you're like me, you probably started thinking, okay, so we talk about a temple. What about the people who do stuff in the temple? All throughout history where you have a temple, you have priests. Have you ever thought about that word, priests? Hey, Siri, what is a priest? A priest or priestess is a religious leader authorized to perform the sacred rituals of a religion, especially as a mediatory okay, agent. I'm getting there. I'm getting, and- shh, shh, shh. You're going to ruin it. Did you catch that? A priest is the person who is authorized to perform the religious rituals in worship. And Jim talked about two weeks ago, we have a lot of temples in, in America. One of the examples he gave was a sports arena. And who are the priests in the temple of the sports arena? Well, it's the fans. It's the people who sit in the stands. They have the exclusive right to wear their team's gear. They have the exclusive right to chant the songs. You Eagles fans have an exclusive right. It is your Eagles religious duty to sing Fly Eagles Fly. It is your religious duty to speak up for your team and defend your team and put down another team. Or take the example of a temple being the mall. Well, who are the priests? They're the people who are in charge of the transactions of the mall. The people who are, who are selling the clothes in Hollister and in Aeropostel. When my phone breaks, I go to the Apple store and the priests of the Apple temple will make my phone whole again. Where you have a temple, you have a priest. And that's what Peter calls us. If we are God's temple, Peter's saying we are also God's priests. So I want you to join me in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And here's my hope is that we can see that through Jesus, we have direct access into the presence of God as a community of priests. Peter says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and in to his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So in this passage, Peter talks about two things. He talks about God's temple and God's priests. God's temple and God's priests. So we're going to first look at God's temple. In verse 4, he says it's rooted in Jesus as you come to him. The foundation of God's temple is believers coming to Jesus as we come to him. The living stone, we, we actually become more like him. We become little living stones. And we're being built up into a, a spiritual house. And if you remember, as Jim said two weeks ago, he said the temple is not simply a building. Rather, it is the place where, where heaven and earth meet. So when you hear spiritual house, don't just think building. In fact, if I could use the example, when you hear house, think Harry Potter. There are four houses in Harry Potter. There's Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. And the house that each student is put in is not simply a place to go when they're not in class. For example, if you're put in the Gryffindor house, that means you hang out in the Gryffindor common areas, you sleep in the Gryffindor beds, you eat only at Gryffindor tables, and your circle of friends is your fellow Gryffindor housemates. And everything you do gets reflected in your house. Points are awarded and deducted. Your house becomes your identity and Peter is saying it is the house of Jesus that we're included in. And it's a spiritual house. It's one that's, that's made holy, as, as Bill talked about last week when he said, a holy God makes people holy. You and I, as the temple of God, have been elevated to the status of holy through Jesus all as we continue to come to him. So where you have a temple, you have a priest which are those people who carry out the rituals. So who are God's priests? Well, they're the same people who make up his temple. They're us. And Peter uses the identity of a royal priesthood. He's elevating the status of a believer. What he's doing is he's taking the two highest statuses that you could have in Judaism, that of a priest and that of a king, and he's saying in Jesus you are both. You are heirs to the promises and the inheritance of God. And at the same time, you have the exclusive right to come before him. One commentator puts it this way. To become a Christian is to be raised to the ultimate height and status because we suddenly become children of the God of the universe. And we have direct access to him because we're his kids. One of my favorite things that author and pastor Timothy Keller has ever said is, he says, the only person who dares to wake up the king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. And he goes on to say, we have that kind of access with God. As you come to Jesus, you become a partaker in the inheritance of God. You also have the exclusive right to come before God. The great reformer Martin Luther put it this way, he said, nor are we only kings and the freest of all men, but also priests forever, a dignity far higher than kingship, because by that priesthood we are worthy to appear before God, to pray for others, 
and to teach one another mutually the things which are of God, for these are the duties of the priests. As priests of God, we're not merely the passive building in which God dwells, but we're the active participants of worship. We're the active participants. We have the right to carry out the spiritual rituals of the temple of God. So what are they? Well, in order to understand why Peter would use royal priesthood, I want to invite you to take a journey with me briefly back into the Old Testament to see what was the point of the priests. And the priests in the Old Testament had two ministries that stood out. The ministry of presence and the ministry of intercession or going before God on behalf of somebody else. The priests had two ministries. We're going to look at the first, the ministry of presence. Deuteronomy 10.9 tells us that when Israel inherited the land and all the tribes got their inheritance of land, the priests of the tribe of Levi did not receive an inheritance of land because God said, I will be your inheritance. They were set apart. They were holy to God. And Numbers 35 says that the Levites, the people who were set apart, who didn't receive land, they were given cities to dwell in. But the cities were scattered throughout the whole nation, the whole land of Israel. The idea was the Levites, the priests, were supposed to minister with the people that they rubbed shoulders with every single day. You did not have to go somewhere to find a priest. The priest was scattered amongst the people. They were present as they were scattered amongst the people. They were also present when all the people gathered together. When the whole assembly came together before the Lord, the priest was the only one who was allowed to be present before God. The exclusive right that only the descendants of Aaron had to go before the Lord. 2 Chronicles 23.6 says this, No one is to enter the temple of the Lord except the priests and the Levites on duty. They may enter because they are consecrated, because they have been covered in the blood of an animal. But all the others are to observe the Lord's command not to enter. And later in Scripture, we're, we're told and we're shown that if you entered and you weren't the priest, the payment of that, the penalty of that was death. So only the priest could present themselves before God. And the second ministry of the priest was that of intercession. It was the priest's job to take the sacrifice and to go before the Lord on behalf of somebody else. Leviticus 6 describes how the priests were to intercede or to come before the Lord on behalf of someone else. Verse 7 of Leviticus 6 says this, And the priest shall make atonement or covering for him before the Lord. And he shall be forgiven of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. You did not go before God on your own. But rather the priest, after he sacrificed your animal and put the blood on you to signify your guilt, he would then go to God on your behalf. You did not have the right to approach God. And Peter is saying, this identity of priesthood has become ours. It has become ours. We have direct access to the God of the universe, not to say we're sorry, but to come before him and enjoy him as his kids. And what is the point? The point is to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and in to his wonderful light. We get to reenact how God has called us first. But if we're honest, 
You might be sitting there going, Jake, that's, that's not me. Jake, I'm actually a better priest of my phone. I'm actually a better priest because I talk more about my sports team and I share more about my passion for my sports team than I do my faith. Jake, I'm not present in the lives of my neighbors. I don't even know their names. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to be called a priest. That's for the professionals. That's for, that's for people like Pastor John and, and Bill and Jen and Jim. That's not me. Well, friends, here's the good news. You are qualified to be a priest in the community of God because you have a priest who's done this for you. You have a priest who, as Peter says, who when you were not a people, he, he brought you in. When you had not received mercy, he showed it to you, and that is Jesus. He was the better priest. He had a better ministry of being present amongst his people. As John 1 states, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God made his dwelling amongst his people. He was present amongst his people. And not only that, but he had a better ministry of intercession. He didn't bring an offering before God. The only one who could present himself as blameless before God went in, not with an offering, but as the offering. He willingly laid himself on the altar as the sacrifice to declare you and I holy, acceptable to God. The author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 5. He says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus breaks the mold of the Old Testament priest because he's so much better. Whereas a priest could only cover, Jesus eradicates sin. He saves his people. And as you come to him, what becomes true of him becomes true of you as well. There's this beautiful picture in Exodus 28 as Moses is writing down what the priest is supposed to wear. He says this in Exodus 28, verses 36 to 38. He says, Make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as on a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a cord to it and attach it to the turban. It will be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead. And he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate, whatever they may be. It will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that the sacrifices will be acceptable to God. So when God looks at Aaron, he doesn't see the priest who failed. He doesn't see the priest who made the golden calf at the base of Mount Sinai. Rather, when God looks at his priest, God sees his own name. And it's because Aaron has been declared acceptable to the Lord, the sacrifice is accepted. And John in Revelation 22 picks up on this and he says, this will be our ultimate reality too. He says this in Revelation 22, 3 to 5, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face 
and his name will be written on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Friends, this is the ultimate reality of being a royal priesthood in the presence of God forever. The identity of a believer is a royal priesthood. Being present before God and reigning with him forever. That is, that is our future. That is the promise of God for the people of God. So what does that mean for us now? Well, as Bill referenced last week, Ed Welsh wrote a book called Created to Draw Near. I highly recommend it. He says this, You were brought into a holy nation. You are not holy because you are pure in and of yourself or closer to perfection than your neighbor. Only God makes us holy. Humility and thanks, therefore, are the natural response of all priests. And it's when you realize that as people who have been brought in and experienced mercy, God offers the invite to join him in his work. He offers us the invite to bring others in and show mercy. One pastor put it this way, we become like whatever we come to. And what I love about God is he doesn't ask you to do anything that he hasn't already infinitely done better for you. So how can you be present this week in the life of your neighbors as Jesus was present with you? As Jesus left heaven and didn't take equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage, but humbled himself and came for you? How can you lay aside your right for your neighbor this week? How can you be present in the life of your neighbor this week? How can you be present in the life of fellow believers this week, whether it's watching the service and talking about it or meeting in a small group or, or studying God's word? How can you be present with him and present with others this week? And second, how can you intercede? How can you come before God on behalf of others? When you receive the Chelton prayer list, do you just archive it in your email? Or do you take the burdens of others as Jesus took your burden and bring it before the Lord? Parents, are you on your knees for your kids? Are we on our knees for our coworkers? Are we on our knees praying for the salvation of our neighbors? Are we becoming more like Jesus every day? The beauty of the gospel is this, that through Christ we have direct access to God as a royal priesthood, as we are being continually conformed into the image of the one who was the first priest for us, as we continue to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Every day becomes an, becomes an opportunity to reenact the love that Jesus showed us. You're a royal priesthood. Are you coming to Jesus? And are you continually looking like him more and more in your interactions with others, in your interactions with your family, in your interactions with your kids, with your parents, with your coworkers? Are you looking more and more like Jesus? Will you join me as we go before this great high priest? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you looked 
on us and you saw that we were helpless, that we were dead in sin. And you became the hands and feet of God. You came to be present with us. You came to become like us in every way. Yet you didn't sin. You were the only one who had the right to go before God. And you went. But you went as a humble sacrifice. So that way, acceptable to the Lord would be put on our foreheads. Jesus, thank you that we can have confidence knowing that because of the cross, we don't stand before God condemned. When he looks at us, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees somebody who has been covered by the blood of his son. So we can stand before God as acceptable, as set apart, as holy. So Jesus, would you give us eyes to see you more clearly this week? Would you help us to love you more? And we'll find that the more we love you, the more we can't help but love others as well. Would you help us to be present as you were present with us? And would you help us to intercede for others as you intercede for us even now? We thank you and we love you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.